Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Daily Wire political journalist Brett Cooper, independent journalist Savannah Hernandez, Jeff Allen's hilarious clean comedy, the brotherly harmonies of the Flat River Band. That's Trey Coley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's What a great crowd we have here tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, we have had a few changes to the lineup of the show. Originally, our guest in the opening segment was going to be Peter Navarro. And he was scheduled to be here. And he was getting ready to board an airplane in Washington to fly here. Peter Navarro, who was with the Trump campaign, was with the entire administration. Right up until the day, they turned the lights off and walked out. He was there the whole time. He was the architect of the stand-up-to-China policy. We were excited to have him. He's also been in a legal battle because he has been, uh, I guess, commanded to turn over all of the notes that he had at the White House to Nancy Pelosi's little sham committee over there, and he's refused. And the reason he refused is a constitutional reason because of the separation of powers. Made perfect sense. Because if you have every one of the 535 members of Congress thinking that they can just subpoena things from another branch of government, you have destroyed the idea of separation of powers. So uh, Peter Navarro and several other uh, people in the Trump White House have said, until the courts tell us we have to give that material up, there is no settled law in the history of this country that Congress can make those kind of demands so we're not going to do it. And I think that's the right call. Well, guess what? He's getting on the plane today. And, well, I'll let him describe it. He was in a news conference this afternoon. And here's why he's not here. I spoke to the, the FBI agent who arrested me. I spoke to him Wednesday night. I said, Walter, whatever you need, you don't have to come banging on my door like you did last week getting me out of bed. I'm here to cooperate. Okay, what did they do? Right? I, I was on my way to Nashville today to do a TV appearance with Mike Huckabee's show. Yeah, that's where he was headed. And as he was getting on the plane, they showed up, arrested him, put him in handcuffs, for heaven's sakes, and hauled him away to the pokey. And uh, he got arraigned today. This is crazy, folks, because just as he said, he lives next door to the FBI. Did you hear that? He lives next door to the FBI, and he told them, if you need to talk to me, just let me know. And they didn't. 
They waited until a very public place, and then they came, threw handcuffs on him, and took him, in a, put him in a jail cell this afternoon, and uh, frog marched him around the courthouse lawn. Folks, our government is against us when they try to persecute rather than just prosecute a crime. And this is really frightening. And I hope we'll have Peter on the show very soon. I can't wait to visit with him about it. Uh, obviously, he was looking forward to being here. And he would have been here, except for that little incident that kind of messed it up. Well, in a similar thing, just as I predicted, the trial of Michael Sussman, who was prosecuted, I'd say persecuted, by Special Prosecutor James Durham, revealed at least three very important realities. The first was the overwhelming evidence that not only did Michael Sussman lie to the FBI in trying to sell a totally concocted sham of a story that Donald Trump was in cahoots with the Russians, a story which, by the way, the FBI knew was phony but acted on it anyway, and that the whole lie was paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee, and it was personally approved by Hillary herself. All that came out in the trial. The second was that in today's highly partisan judicial system, Michael Sussman was going to be found innocent no matter what evidence showed. And the third was that the media would once again play the stooge for Hillary and the Democrats and keep the facts of the story from reaching most Americans. Special Prosecutor John Durham produced compelling evidence, and he did it from multiple documents, and it showed that Michael Sussman was billing the Clinton campaign for a meeting that he took with former FBI official James Baker, all the while insisting that he was just acting on his own and as a friend. And he specifically said he wasn't affiliated with any campaign or organization. At the very least, Hillary ought to get her money back since he made her pay for the meeting that he said was done as a public service. Sussman, by the way, made up a story that was a bigger fake than Bigfoot and the abominable snowman combined. He took it to James Baker at the FBI. Now, Baker knew it was phonier than Lady Gaga's modesty, but he acted on it anyway. Multiple sources, such as text messages, FBI notes, and verbal testimony, corroborated that Sussman was lying. But Sussman, well, he wasn't convicted by a D.C. jury. And who honestly thought he would be? I sure didn't, and I have said so publicly for weeks. Here's why. Of the jurors, three of them on the jury were actual donors to the Hillary for President campaign. One of them was a donor to left-wing congressional kook, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And yet another had a daughter who played on a sports team with the daughter of, wait for it, Michael Sussman, Sussman himself, his own daughter. So since you only have to convince one of the 12 jurors to block a conviction, in this case, there were actually five pretty solid jurors who could be expected to see nothing, hear nothing, and say nothing. And in the end, do nothing. Oh, did I mention that Judge Cooper, the trial judge, who wouldn't allow some of the most important evidence against Sussman, did I mention that he's married to a lawyer who represents Lisa Page, 
the disgraced former FBI agent who helped cook the whole Russia story and who worked with her adulterous partner, Peter Strzok, at the FBI to bring down President Trump? Oh, yeah, the same happy couple who described Trump voters as people that they could actually smell at Walmart. Folks, there was more cooking of the judicial process in all this than in Paula Dean's kitchen. <laughs> and naturally, the media ignored the facts presented at the trial, which they didn't cover, by the way. But they declared the verdict vindicated Michael Sussman and vilified Prosecutor Durham. It'd be accurate to call the defendant O.J. Sussman. <laughs> yeah. Because... I have it on good authority that after the trial, he declared that he's going to vote the rest of his life to find the true liar. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. Of course, he'll do that in between games of golf, naturally. It's hard not to be cynical about our justice system that treats people on the right or politically unempowered very differently than it does those who are highly connected or whose politics are left of center. But we can't win by just being angry, and especially we can never win by giving up and surrendering to these scams. We've got to persevere with patience and dogged persistence to vote in every election and to lift our voices loud against the lies, the corruption, and the double standards. And we should know that even if justice never prevails on this earth, one day we will all stand before our Creator and give an account. And no one will be given a pass on that day. Not me, not you, not even the politically well-connected who have shredded our Constitution and the application of the law. Well, in the midst of biased left-leaning news organizations and social media companies dominating the cultural and political landscape, it's encouraging to see young people who are taking up the fight against them. Brett Cooper is doing just that. I'm going to be talking with her right after the break. Do not go away. Later, hilarious stand-up comedy with Jeff Allen. And donuts, donuts, donuts. Who could ask for anything more? Still to come on Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Brett Cooper is a professional actress turned conservative political commentator. She left woke Hollywood for the Daily Wire, which is located right here in Nashville, where they have relocated very wisely, I might add. She now hosts the comments section. Would you please welcome to our show for the very first time, Brett Cooper. Thank you, Brett. I find your personal story very compelling mm -hmm. because you leaned left through a lot of your early life. And then I don't know if it was an epiphany or if it was sort of a slow rise to kind of seeing the light and getting involved in a more conservative approach. How did that happen for you? 
Um, well, I was raised by a libertarian objectivist. My mother studied under Ayn Rand, and she mm. was a textbook publisher for W.W. Norton. So I was actually raised in a very uh, freedom, individualistic, valuing family. Okay. Um, so I wasn't terribly, I wasn't very left-leaning. But I, because I started working in Hollywood when I was seven years old, it was my first professional acting job, um, my entire life was left wing, basically. Yeah. My every job that I did, every single one of my friends um, was on the left. The work that I did was supporting leftist values. Um, and I knew that it was very different than the things that I had been, you know, raised um, supporting and valuing, valuing and trying to live my own life in accordance to. Um, and so it just got to a point where I could no longer work in that industry because I felt like I was compromising everything that I knew. Um, and so when I graduated from UCLA last year, I made the decision that I did not want to pursue uh, a lifelong career in entertainment. I had done it as a child. I was a child actor, somehow made it out alive and with a level head. Um, <laughs> and not a lot of people do. I mean, yes. sometimes people are really ruined by that experience. It's a very, I was talking about this earlier today with a couple of coworkers actually, but it is a very turbulent uh, industry, especially mm -hmm. for the creatives that are involved, you get whipped around a lot. You have no control over um, any, you have no autonomy over really any of the projects that you do, where you go, where you're located. In one day, you could be in Los Angeles, and three days later, they're sending you to Vancouver to film something. At one point, uh, I was doing a season two of a show that I was on that ended up getting canceled, but they were planning on shooting it in Prague. So I was like, okay, my <laughs> life is going to be at 15, uprooted and have to move to Prague. You get no say really in it because if you sign on, then you're in. Um, and you really do get whipped around. You get chewed up and spit out, especially if you dissent from any of their narrative. Before you landed at the Daily Wire, you did some work with uh, my dear friend Dennis Prager at yes. PragerU. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the greatest things that's out there in mm -hmm. the public square today. Yes. How big of an influence was Dennis Prager and the experience of mm -hmm. putting videos together with PragerU? It was huge. I joined uh, PragerU's youth organization, or you know, high school and college group, which is called Prager Force, uh, during the middle of COVID because I had been outed as a conservative at UCLA, I, I was asked to leave my sorority. Really? Because, yes, because it was, um, it was Kappa Delta, which is Amy Coney Barrett's former sorority. So when she was appointed to the Supreme Court by President Trump, uh, during our rush, we, had, we were given a script, basically, to say we do not agree with Amy Coney Barrett. We understand that our sorority is under a lot of you know, scrutiny right now. Um, we don't agree. We support you know, the women's right to choose, like all of this stuff. We don't agree with her. Um, and then we had to sign a petition to have her stripped of her sorority letters, basically. Good heavens. And I said, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And people had already started catching on that I wasn't agreeing. And then at the same time, uh, I was sort of slowly outed to the people that I was living with, my college roommates. It got so aggressive. I had violent threats against, you know, Trump supporters, other conservatives saying that they would be fine if they ran over a conservative and they died, that sort of thing. Realized Don't you love the love and diversity right? the tolerance? and tolerance? Yeah, the it's inclusivity. all about it, yeah. Um, and I realized that that was not going to be an environment that I could live in anymore, so I moved back home. My family was in Los Angeles at the time, so I finished up my UCLA academic career, you know, living at home during COVID. I felt incredibly isolated. I had, you know, kind of had to remove myself from a lot of social situations because of, you know, politics and COVID. And so I went to PragerU basically begging for, like, some kind of conservative and political home in Los Angeles. Yeah. Because at the time, Daily Wire was about to leave. Breitbart had already moved. Dave Rubin was leaving. And it was just PragerU in Los Angeles. And they 
took me under their wing. I started making videos for them. Um, you know, got to know Dennis, went on his show a couple of times. Um, and they were incredibly instrumental in giving me the confidence and the tools that I needed in order to start speaking out, to have a voice on social media, um, and then started writing articles for the Foundation for Economic Education. I joined forces with Young Americans for Liberty, enjoyed their team for a bit, which then, you know, turned into Daily Wire reaching out to me, asking me if I wanted to move here and host a show for them. Tell me, is there hope that other young people, Generation Z, mm-hmm. are going to sort of wake up and see that socialism doesn't work? Are, are we destined to have that generation grow up and just say, everything that we've ever been a part of in America is wrong? I don't think so. Um, I think that there is hope. So my demographics on YouTube, mm-hmm. on my YouTube channel, I think I'm like 38 to 40% 18 to 24 is my age range, which is huge. Yeah. Like traditional like YouTube channels, it you know usually stems older, especially in conservative media, it is usually older audiences. So that is a large, large portion of young people. The other thing that is interesting is that when I look at my comments and I look at the demographics of who is watching and subscribing to my channel, a large portion are not conservatives. And they, they comment and they'll DM me and they'll say, you know what, I'm more of a centrist or I'm somebody, I'm a liberal, but the things are kind of confusing and you're providing common sense. Whether or not they are fully coming over to the conservative side, yeah. it's, a, it, it's a lot of people like Joe Rogan and Tulsi Gabbard and Tim Pool um, and these people that are disgruntled liberals, basically, mm. that, you know, might still have left-leaning, you know, ideas on some things, but they are realizing that that 1%, the very radical, the loud progressive left, that they're insane. Yeah. Um, and are finally seeing, like, to put it lightly. Um, <laughs> it's the truth. Yes. Yeah. It is. They are, <laughs> are in the entire liberal side of this country, and the Democrats, and especially the politicians, are so scared of that 1% because yeah. they are so loud, because they are, in, in, like I said, insane, and they worry that, you know, they're going to destroy their reputation so they have to bend a knee to them. And finally, I think the mainstream public is waking up and realizing, oh, my God, like, what am I subscribing to? This is crazy. Yeah. Like, two-year-olds are changing their gender? Like, no. Yeah. Uh, there was a protest or a couple of days ago at Amazon where 30 employees, and now Amazon has thousands of employees, 30 employees did a die-in, which means that they lay down in public and pretend to be dead, because Amazon is still selling transphobic books, one of which is Irreversible Damage, and another one is Johnny the Walrus, which is Matt Walsh's children's book. Runaway bestseller. Yes, incredible. Yeah. And I think it's back up to the number one bestseller in, like, comedy and political yeah. satire. And they are so angry that they are still selling, that they're selling these books, but it was 30 employees out of thousands. And if you look at the comments on all of the pictures of this protest, these are left-wing reporters covering this. Yeah. Everybody in the comments is going, these people are insane. And like banning books on any side of the political aisle is wrong. And That why gives me doing- hope, Brad. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, it's a great way for us to conclude, just to, mm-hmm. to, to let you tell us mm-hmm. that there is hope, that yeah. there is a light at the end of this tunnel, and it is not a train, mm-hmm. and we can be happy <laughs> about what yeah. may be ahead. I, I'm, so, I'm so glad you're there. Your voice is so important. I hope people will uh, be able to find you. You can do that if you head over to Huckabee.tv. We have a connection to The Daily Wire. Brett showed the comments section with Brett Cooper. We also have links to keep up with uh, Brett on social media, which I think you will find very enlightening and entertaining. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to connect us to the rest of the show. So, Keith, why don't you do that? Well, get ready to laugh with the hilarious Jeff Allen, then conservative journalist Savannah Hernandez, it's all still ahead on Huckabee. 
Welcome back. Jeff Allen is one of our all-time favorite comedians. Now, you name it, you've seen him there. I mean, Netflix, Comedy Central, Showtime, Dry Bar Comedy, and much more. Would you please welcome back for his, I say, fourth appearance. Folks, I told you we liked him. Welcome back, Jeff Allen. Thank you. Two years of COVID, two years. I learned one thing in two years. Socialism will never work in America. Thank you. COVID hit and the richest nation in the history of the world was out of toilet paper in three days. I don't even get that. CDC comes out and says it's a severe respiratory illness and the entire nation went, we need toilet paper. I think you're wiping the wrong end, sport. And I noticed one thing, socialist countries always run out of toilet paper, all of them. There's always lines around the block, miles for toilet paper. That's why they starve their people to death. Nothing in, nothing out. You don't need the toilet paper. I wrote that. I'm a 2.0 GPA and I came up with that on my own. Last time I was, I turned 65 last year. I got Medicare, I got Medicare. Thank you very much. Yeah. Got my card, I told my wife I'm going to the doctor. She says, what's wrong? I said, I don't know, it's 12 bucks. I'm going every day. A lot of old guys go to the park and feed the pigeons. Me, I'm going to the urologist. Something's gonna break and I'm gonna be right there when it does. I gotta take care of myself because Tammy's, my wife Tammy's getting involved with my health in ways I don't, I, I'm not comfortable with. And I saw what she did to her father. Her father moved in with us after her mother passed away. And all this man wanted to do, he was 78 years old, all he wanted to do was watch Gunsmoke and eat ice cream. That's it. Four days into living his dream life, Tammy runs over to him and says, get in the car, we're going somewhere. She takes him to the YMCA. She signed him up for the Silver Sneakers Senior Exercise Program. She took him down there every day like it was an eight-year-old boy. She signed him in, she signed him out. Then she made him eat vegetables. This man ain't had a vegetable in 50 years. And I'm watching him eat broccoli one night. He was chewing it like it was gravel. He's like, ah, what's going on, Mike? He says, if I don't eat the broccoli, I don't get the ice cream. I just, ah. 78 years old. You think that would be enough? No, she makes him walk the neighborhood every night. Get up and walk, Pop. He's walking, walking, walking. One night he face planted. We had to go to the emergency room. And by the way, if you and your wife have to take a scene to the emergency room, get your story straight before you get to the emergency room. <laughs> Holy cow, they separated us. They thought, I, I, at one point I said, you think I'm punching him? He saved my life. I'm golfing five days a week. She doesn't even know I'm out of the house. Worried, worried. Four months he lived with us, four months. I'm walking by his room, he's packing a bag, I go, where are you going? He goes, I'm out of here. I didn't want to get married again. <laughs> Can't leave, I got my handicap right where I want it. I was 30 years old when I married my wife, 30. She was 25, and this may shock some of the younger viewers, but our bodies have changed. How we've handled the change is completely different. Tammy's obsessed, and I mean obsessed, with these non-existent black hairs on her lip. I'm telling you, you can't see a thing. She'll stand in the living room. I don't know how you can kiss me anymore, Jeff. I'm a hairy beast. Look at me. I said, baby, I can't see anything. She goes, you're not looking. She takes me into the bedroom. Have you seen the makeup mirror, Gov? The makeup magnifies by 8,000. You can see the hair in a gnat's leg with a makeup mirror. 
And if that isn't bad enough, she plugs in some kind of light. My gosh, you could bring ships in from the fog with this much light. I had a Cessna land on my front lawn. Sorry, I thought it was an airport, Jeff. <laughs> and the whole time she's with tweezers going, I'm, I'm a wildebeest, Jeff, I'm a wildebeest. I, don't, I said, let me help you out, sweetheart. I unplugged everything. I went, look, they're gone. <laughs> yes. She says, but I know they're there. I go, but you can't see them. She goes, but I know they're there. I go, who cares? If I can't see it, it isn't there. That'd be like me going back to my hotel room tonight, turning off all the lights, and getting a black light and going over my comforter with it. <gasps> oh! Oh! I'd never lay down again. I'd be sleeping in a corner like a horse the rest of my life. My gosh, it's all there. Tammy hasn't had a hot dog since 1987 because of a 60 Minutes expose that said they have rat hair in them. <laughs> Who cares? I can't see them. It's not there. Maybe you get lucky enough, you find a long enough rat hair, you can floss when you're done with the hot dog. Come on! It's a hot dog! If you're eating a hot dog because you think it's good for you, you're a moron. Here's how I handle my body at 65. I get out of the shower, I look in the mirror, yeah, and I keep walking, that's it. I want to live to be 80. Gov, you gotta find reasons, right? Gotta find 80, 80's my number, 80 years old. I keep praying to the Lord, give me the time, give me the time. Then I can go to a nude beach. <laughs> Tammy and I have accidentally wandered onto two nude beaches in our marriage, and both times all we saw were two naked 80-year-old guys staring off at the horizon. <laughs> Tammy's response was, well, I'm not hungry anymore, Jeff. <laughs> My response is, yeah, that's the number. <laughs> Guy gets out of the shower and goes, yep, baby, the world's ready for this. Let's get going to St. Thomas, let's go. You guys have been great, God bless you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's a reason, Jeff, yeah. that we love having you. Yeah. How old are you? I'm older than you. You're not 80 yet, though. Not yet. I just okay. look like it. That's it. But I've been on Medicare for two yeah. years, if Good that'll give you, you any our, idea. Our president, I was, yeah. I was watching him. You know, he's an older guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, he's older than both of us. I was watching him speak the other night, and I realized after about four minutes, I paused it, I looked at my wife and said, would he... Is it me, or would he be a lot happier just watching Gunsmoke and Eat Night? That's all I'm saying. I, I think that's exactly right. Jeff, so glad to have you back. Jeff Allen is back on the road making people laugh once again. He certainly has done it for us tonight. And you can find links to his tour schedule, a whole lot more at Huckabee.tv. We have links to everything Jeff Allen. Bring him to your community, to your church, to your corporation you will find just what we've had here tonight, wonderful laughs. Right now, Keith Bilbrey, if we can get him to stop laughing, we'll tell our viewers what we've got coming up next. Uh, I need some ice cream and gun smoke. Well, Mike rips into the news with journalist Savannah Hernandez. Later, the sweet country bluegrass sound of the Flat River Band. Still to come on Huckabee.
And welcome back. Boy, we have come back to some energetic sounds of Barry Manilow's band. But it wasn't Barry Manilow's band. Oh, no. Much better than that. We're talking Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Let's give him a big hand. Well, Savannah Hernandez got her start in politics pretty recently. But in a very short time frame, she has made a name for herself as a fearless independent journalist uncovering the truth of what's going on in the streets of America as well as abroad. Her coverage has earned her, think about this now, over 20 million views across the internet and TV. She says, we're in a war for truth as well as our God-given freedoms. And we are very happy to have her with us tonight. Welcome to the show, Savannah Hernandez. Savannah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. We're, we're excited about what you're doing because I, I think we tend to just distrust media these days. They don't tell us the real story because most of them don't even go and try to get it. Mm. You have gone, for example, to the southern border, and you've reported that it's not like the networks are telling us. What did you see at the border that most of us don't get to hear about? Governor, it was heartbreaking to see what's currently going on down there. Of course, we are constantly hearing about how Democrats want open borders, but actually going down as an independent journalist and watching illegal immigrants cross over our southern border in droves all day long was incredible to witness. So when you go down there, and any American citizen can do this, you watch people just flooding over and flooding over. I talked to Border Patrol and National Guard while I was there as well because I wanted to really understand what the media is keeping hidden from us, right? Uh, some of the things that the Biden administration is allowing to prosper via our open borders. Uh, for example, in 2021, we had a historic amount of Americans die from fentanyl and opioid-related deaths. We had an 800% increase in fentanyl crossing our borders. And the reason I tie in the fentanyl crisis to the open borders is because on top of the surge of illegal immigration, the cartels, the human trafficking, the children and women that are sexually assaulted at the border, we're also dealing with a huge drug crisis right now because of what the Biden administration has allowed to prosper. That ought to raise the ire of Americans, and yet a lot of people don't even know that that's really what's going on. Exactly, because the media, similar to the uh, BLM riots, mostly peaceful per CNN, yeah. um, it, you know, they're reporting that it's really not that big of an issue, that open borders is really loving, it's progressive, and if we really cared about other people in the world, that's what we would do, but it's the exact opposite. I actually have a video uh, that I put out of young children who had been drugged by the cartels, by human smugglers, and the reason they were drugging these children was so that they remained silent as they were crossing the border. Now, the saddest part about this story is that Border Patrol actually told my friend who got this footage, these children have been seen multiple times. The cartels use these kids and they pass them off and pass them around to the illegals coming into our country so that way they can be passed off as a family unit so when they get into America, it's easier for them to stay here. So these poor children are being exploited and used and it's not loving at all for us to have open borders. And again, you know, I, I do highlight the Biden administration specifically because they have the hands tied of our Border Patrol members, our National Guard members. National Guard was telling me that the cartels have been 
sending them pictures of dead bodies and telling them you're next because they have cell phone towers on the Mexican side of the Rio Grande. They're finding out these uh, National Guardsmen, they're, they're targeting their cell phones, they're figuring out who they are and they're sending them death threats. That's what the Biden administration is allowing to happen to our service members every day. You have been banned from Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You get shut out of a lot of normal ways that people would tell. How do you get your stories out if these social media platforms say, Savannah, we, we're not gonna let you, uh, we're not gonna let you report. I mean, it definitely is a big struggle, but lucky for me, there's platforms like Truth Social. I've been able to utilize that to get the truth out, to get my video out. I come on shows just like this one, and you know, lucky for me, in the conservative movement, in the right wing, there are people who are still willing to highlight the truth, so I'm able to come on your show, Tucker Carlson's show, uh, multiple people who are willing to talk about these issues and highlight the truthful reporting about what's happening on the ground. Because again, uh, you know, I. I feel like I shouldn't even be sitting in this, this sofa right now because I feel like a regular American girl who's going out on the streets with my iPhone and a camera and just showing people what's going on. Anybody can do what I'm doing, but for some reason, big tech is so threatened by that that they've silenced me multiple times. Are, are you concerned for your own safety? I mean, th there's obviously danger in what you do because you're exposing people who are making a lot of money because they're violating the law and they're they're playing these games. Does, does that worry you a little bit? It definitely does, but I've already gotten beaten up. I've already gotten robbed, mobbed, punched, bear maced, tear gassed. I've been through the works. And you know, for me, telling the truth is more important than any physical harm that can come to me. And God has protected me so much. Mm. Well, um, I really hope one day you own CBS or ABC or NBC and you'll be able to, to give the stories that Americans aren't hearing. It's so important. Savannah, thank you. You're a gutsy young lady. I'm going to tell you something. I cannot begin to express my admiration for your courage and your willingness to go out there and make sure we are getting the real truth. Savannah Hernandez. Now, if you want to keep up with Savannah, Here's how to do it. Go to Huckabee.tv. We've got links that will connect you to Savannah and uh, all of her platforms, which I think you will find fascinating. Not quite as fascinating as Keith Bilbrey. He's okay. He's just not that fascinating, but he is a great announcer. <laughs> and we've got maybe a little bit of information that he'll tell us about for the rest of the show. Thank you, Governor. I think. Up next, Mike celebrates National Donut Day with the popular Five Daughters Bakery. And later, some tasty bluegrass music from Flat River Band. Still ahead on Huckabee. shop.huckabee.tv and get your very own Made in the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. And welcome back. Now, this Friday was one of our most important holidays of all the year. National Donut Day. Yes, it is. I bet you did not know this. National Donut Day was actually created in 1938 to honor Salvation Army volunteers who gave donuts to troops in World War I. So you see, donuts are patriotic and historic. We should have more of them. Now here to show us how to make donuts the right way, 
from the very famous Five Daughters Bakery in Franklin, Tennessee. It is a legendary place where everyone in the Nashville area knows about it, and they bring their friends to it. Would you welcome the proprietors, Stephanie and Isaac Meek. Welcome, guys. Thank you, thank you. Frankly, I think I can dismiss you. I know how to eat donuts, and it looks like there are several here. But you're going to... You're going to give us a little insight, aren't you, into how to, how to make these things magic. Sure. So what, what we do at our bakery is we make croissant-style donuts. They're 144 <laughs> layers, and they puff up a lot bigger, as you can see with these. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of them are filled with creams or jams, and then we top them with glazes. And yeah, we like to have fun and be creative. I just want you to know Trey and Keith, they don't like any of this stuff, so don't offer them any. Okay. Oh, they, oh, would, yeah. they don't want oh, any of it. Oh, so. Yeah, <laughs> we'll skip them for sure. We'll forget about them. You know, this is a, this is one of our our donuts. It takes four days to make them. Uh, four days. Yeah, four days. Yeah, that's. It wow. doesn't take four days all like grueling work, but it does take four days to do it right. To chill the dough, to bring it back out, to fill it with the butter, and yeah, it takes four days. Mm. Woohoo! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And so, um, what we what we do? This is. We're, I'm going to make the vanilla cream, which is okay. our most famous donut. And what we do when we start is we fill it with cream on the inside. Thank you, babe. You just... And I mean, honestly, the more cream, the better. Mm -hmm. it's... I think we all agree with that, don't yeah. you? More cream, the and better. In between this cream is a lot of uh, grass-fed butter. That is actually something that we do differently. Better than just of. grass. We like grass-fed yeah. butter. That's right. Grass in the donut, that's a no-no. The cows okay. do it right. That's right. After after we filled it, we'll powdered sugar the sides of it, okay. like, like so. The whole process. We're gonna get this table a little bit dirty, but my grandkids would love getting to play with that. Mm -hmm. Why would they? And then we finish it with more of that same light vanilla Ooh, cream right I there like on the top. Touch. You've this done that before. This vanilla cream is a family heirloom. It's, it's my great grandfather's recipe. recipe. So yeah. that, that re recipe's been around how long? A hundred years? Well, this is the he was. A, Four generations back. So, wow. yeah, about 70, 80 years, yeah, wow. at least. Mm -hmm. So, and then, yeah, and that's our most famous donut. That's uh, a vanilla big cream. donut. Can you wrap Man. your lips around? Should I take a bite or? Uh... I think you should maybe take a bite. I also think that you should have the choice to make one of your own right oh. there. We, we prepped one for you. Lovely. So, if I do that, this is one that you've prepped it. Right. So now what do I do? We've sugared the sides and we filled it with cream. Do you want to talk yep. about these? We yeah. rolled it around in sugar. We filled it with the vanilla cream. And so now you can either dip it in our classic purist glaze. That's just like a regular classic donut. Mm -hmm. or And you can put sprinkles on there and, you know, honor of your grandchildren. Or you can do some more bacon here. We do have a bacon. maple glaze. Yes. Bacon. So this bacon. is for all the gentlemen out here. When gentlemen come into our store, they ask, what's your favorite donut? Yeah. I don't tell them my favorite donut. I uh -huh. tell them their favorite donut, which is the one with bacon on top. <laughs> so it's maple glaze on top, and then it's a very special yeah, sugared we, maple bacon. Yeah, we get our, our bacon locally, and then we, we cook it with a little bit of brown sugar and a little bit of spice. It's, it's so delicious. So what we're going to do is just put some bacon on there. Is yeah. That the yeah, just, just go right ahead. You, there there, you go. can't do any wrong. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. That's right. Mm. I needed to test it, make sure that it was good. <laughs> I test it every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important. Mm. There you go. That looks delicious. So bacon on a, on a donut. Sure Maple. looks good over there. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. You're not getting any. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Trey, you're close so to then, I am charged. Now, you said something. I could take this one sure. and I do it. I was thinking that you could just dip it right here in this. This is just a pure, like, you say classic. dip it. You mean, like, turn it over oh, and yeah, dip it down there? Turn it over and yeah. dip it. Yeah. 
Let out your inner child. Go for it. Yeah. It's still there, that child. Man, that's fun. Oh. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. You're killing me. You're if killing you, if me. If you're looking for a job. <laughs> I may be. And I'll tell you, if I'm looking, this would be a great job, except I'm afraid I would uh, eat into the profits a little bit. <laughs> This is fantastic. And what, just for the curiosity, what is sure. it, strawberry? So every month we do some special flavors. Mm -hmm. This month we're doing a uh, chocolate eclair and a strawberry shortcake that are based on the ice cream flavors that you uh, get at the ice cream truck. For oh. summer. And so, yeah, for summer. And, and so, yeah, that's just a strawberry shortcake crumble. Uh, then there's a chocolate crumble right beside it. And they're infused with chocolate cream and strawberry cream. I can't think of a better way to celebrate National Donut Day, but I got to ask, where does the name Five Daughters Bakery come from? When we began our bakery, we uh -huh. were pregnant with our fifth daughter. Oh. And so, yeah, we actually have five daughters. My wife birthed all five of them. Wow. Yeah. You it's never amazing. see the inside of a bathroom, do you? Five daughters and a wife. <laughs> never. Sir, you have my complete admiration. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, this, this is just fantastic. Well, I, I just want to say to all of our folks, you can celebrate in style with the world's greatest donuts from Five Daughters Bakery. How to do that? Go to Huckabee.tv. We will connect you with them so that the next time you come to the Nashville area, I know where to find you. You're going to be at Five Daughters Bakery. <laughs> now, while I'm eating donuts, Keith will be over there. Um, he'll be resisting the urge because he wants to tell us what's to come. Keith, you do that. I'll eat the donuts. Killing me. You're killing me. Well, donut! Donut! Touch that remote, because up next, we're going to put the icing on the cake of this show with the sweet music of the Flat River Band on Huckabee. Join Mike next week for his guest, Congresswoman Nicole Milotakis and award-winning country artist John Barry. Welcome back, everybody. Brothers Andy, Chad, and Denny Seitz grew up in a trailer park listening to the Gatlin brothers and performing with their family at Silver Dollar City and Dollywood. They went on to a number one hit on the bluegrass and gospel charts. They opened for stars like Alison Krauss, one of our very favorite people, Ricky Skaggs. And their new EP is called Sights and Sounds. I want you to welcome, first time on our show, I bet it's not going to be the last time, the Flat River Band. Welcome. You. Great having you, you guys here. Thank you, Governor. We might even let you guys have a donut after the show. I'm thinking really seriously about it. We were banking on it. I'm making that a matter of prayer. We will see. <laughs> I love your story. You grew up in a trailer park, but you listened to the Gatlins and those phenomenal harmonies of theirs. Was yes. that a big inspiration for you? It was a huge inspiration. You know, Daddy drove an old Thunderbird, and Mama would pop in all the gold in California and turn around and lead the choir. Uh, <laughs> And when you did a video of one of your covers of their songs from yes. several years ago, yes, you, I think this was gutsy. You called and said, would you guys be okay with us doing the song? They said yes. Then you invited them to be in the video with you. Oh, yeah. And you know how Henri 
Larry can be. No, I haven't <laughs> noticed that. Not at all. The night before yeah. we went to go shoot this video, Larry sends us a text uh -huh. and he says, boys, unfortunately, Stephen Rudy will not be able to be there. <laughs> so of course, we didn't tell the the crew or yeah. anything. We just, they said, let's just roll with it. Let's just roll with it, let's you know? And the next morning, Stephen Rudy was there, but even before Larry was. He you know. flew in for the show. He was just messing with you. He was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Larry. Always you know. messing. But, you know, I know that they were impressed with a version of the song that you did, and that has to make you feel good that the original oh, creators yeah. of the song loved your version of it and wanted to be on stage with you in the video and to make it happen. The bucket list. Is that? Yeah. I guess it would True. be, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, be for, for sure. Yes. I mean, you just imagine. I mean, seriously, Mom and... You know, mom and dad kind of taught us how to sing harmony, listen yeah. to all the gold in California, and, and uh, to actually be on stage with them was kind of <laughs> iconic. How do you keep motivated? Because that's, that's a thing for artists. Uh, God, family, and country. Mm. That's what does it. Yeah. That's a good that's combination. A, that's a very, that's that, that would keep somebody motivated. Well, our, our, uh, our grandpa... Um, which is still living, and I know he's sitting at home watching uh, right now. We sure hope so. He's 95 years old. Wow. Yeah. Good for yeah. him. Yes. But he, he's been a huge inspiration to us, and, uh, yeah, he grew up in, uh, he was a, actually a vacuum salesman in Palm Springs, California in the 19, in 1960. Wow. And, uh, man, he just, I asked him this morning, I talked to him every morning, I make it a point to, you know, trying to soak all that wisdom out of him as much as I possibly can. <clears throat> and I said, Grandpa, what, what do you think, you know, the key to, to your long life is? And he says to me, he says, pleasant words, there's a honeycomb, sweep the soul, it health of the bones. Whoa. Yeah. Say that again, because I love that. Pleasant words, there's a honeycomb. Sweep the soul and health of the bones. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he's 95 years old. I know, right? I'm going to start saying that every night. Every <laughs> night. But before I get to saying that, we want to make sure that we get to hear your music. And that's something that this audience is going to love. And our TV audience, they're going to absolutely love you guys and want to get your music. So while you get set up, I want to make sure that Keith Bilbrey tells the viewers how they can hear more of the Flat River Band, because they're going to want to. To get all their great music and to follow them on social media, visit Huckabee.tv and go there after the show to see a digital exclusive performance of Shining Through My Window. Now to perform Ain't a Woman Like a River from their new EP Sights and Sounds with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, here's the Flat River Band. <laughs> Sometimes shallow, sometimes deep. Good at making memories that you want to keep. Time to take her, time to give her. And all in all, ain't a woman like a river. Some days calm, like a gentle breeze. Some days raging brings you to your knees. A restless spirit you cannot tame. A woman and a river are a lot to say. Like a wild. 
I ain't a woman like a river. 